I was up till four o'clock in the morning. Again. Shame on you. I know. This is getting tabled. With your hosts, Jason the Bruce. You guy! George the Yang. I hope you're all entertained by my inaptitude. Jason, a.k.a. Major Socks. We've been doing this and talking about various stuff. One of the stuff. Now sit back, relax, and get tabled. Hello, future people. Welcome to Getting Tabled. We are without a George today, but that's okay. okay. We have more fun without him. Because we have yeah. Major Socks. How's it going, guys? It's good to be back this next fortnight, two weeks, whatever you want to call it. And I'm the Bruce because I'm from Australia, even though you could probably argue that we have two Bruces now, given that we're collaborating with Ben. Yeah, it's true. How's things been on your side? Uh, crazy. Work crazy? Has been crazy. Yeah, work has just been... Okay, shipping containers for an exercise by boat. I don't do that very often in the Air Force, so... Given that the Air Force doesn't have boats, yeah. Actually, we do. We do have boats, actually. Most people don't know that. As the Air Force, we actually have boats. They are filled with bullets and bombs and missiles. So the aircraft carriers belong to the Navy, but you also have your own boats? Yes, we do. In the event that we need... In the, the event that we need munitions somewhere quickly, we can offload a whole bunch. With our oh, ships. okay. So they're cargo ships. Okay. That makes it's, more they're sense. They're cargo ships. Yep. But yeah, you still don't have your own aircraft carrier. Nope. We don't. That's, That's the Navy. really weird. Because if they were going to do that, why wouldn't, why wouldn't the Navy just carry that too? Oh, they have their own too, but we have our own. Just seems really weird that you're kind of like, you have certain things, but not other things. I mean, I understand the whole the Navy has helicopters. I mean, I get that. We have uh, even, too. yeah, I know. It's it's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. All right. Anyways, shall we discuss some, some news? news? Newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or important events. For those wondering, yes, I'm literally doing this on my phone. Because normally when I'm doing it, Captain Socks, Major Socks can't hear anything. So I'm trying nope. to get around. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. The news. Oh, I'm accidentally showing things off that I shouldn't be. Hint for what's coming later. Are you previewing the news even more? No, I, I accidentally showed off what we're going to discuss in talking with the end, uh, aiming at the end. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's, that's well before. Yeah. All right. So we don't have a lot from Games Workshop this week. There's only a couple of small things. Uh, they are in the middle of celebrating their Black Library celebration. They've started doing this every year now, which, t t to be honest, I don't think is a bad thing. Uh, I mean, it's not like they need help with their law. I mean, that a lot of reasons why people get into Games Workshop is because of the law. But I do think that people kind of forget to buy the book sometimes. Um, ironically, we are getting a couple of minis this year as part of that celebration. 
So we are getting one of Sanguinius' sons. Uh, we're getting Zephon. Uh, he's one of the heroes from the Siege of Terror and so forth. He's the Bringer of Sorrows, which is a really silly name for a hero. It makes him sound evil. Yeah. Um, sorry, I, I, I just think that that's a really stupid name to give a hero. Um, we also have... Now, I forget what this guy's name is. He's the hero of Lionsgate. He's Fafnir Ran. So he's from the Imperial Fists. Uh, I actually think he... I mean, he's more stoic and he's kind of just standing there with his axes. But honestly, I yeah. think he has the better mini of the two. Yeah, I agree. Um... And there's also a little tease down the bottom of Valdor being released as well from um, Forge World. So they're doing a few things to celebrate um, Black Library. There is a um, free book that you can get access to if you buy certain things. We're not really going through that much today, but if you check with your local Games Workshop store, and I'm pretty sure it does have to be an actual Games Workshop store, because I believe it's very limited outside of that, to the point where they only have some for competitions, I believe. One of my local ones is doing a, if you buy any book from Black Library, you have a chance of winning one of ten. Um, so yeah, it's fairly limited in that regard. On the bigger news, though, we do have some new minis coming for our event exclusives. So they're showing off a new one for Warhammer 40k, which is, hold down, hold on, it's a space marine. I know, I know, it's really surprising. Um, it's one of the, like, he's got a really nice looking sword. I mean, it's kind of very yeah. blocky in places, but it, it, I like the pose for it. Uh, of the two, I think the orc is probably my favorite. But ironically, neither of these really jump out at me at the, like the ones from the last couple of years do. So two years ago, we had the um, the Katachan lady, the one mm. that caused massive outroar. And I don't remember exactly what they showed off last year, but I remember being excited for them. Um, in the previous year, the one from before had gone into regular sale or it had been promised as regular sale. They haven't actually said that they're doing that this time. So... That may be because COVID's yeah. not as pre prevalent and so they're trying to get back into the cons. So they want this to be truly a war exclusive event miniature. It's possible. I mean, the, the idea behind these initially was supposed to be that if you wanted them early, you've got to go to the events. Yeah. Uh, but it will ultimately be available to everyone else because Games Workshop finally well, started money. listening to how much people were hating the fact that they keep on doing this. Yeah. I kind of have a feeling that they're going back on that and deciding to just do whatever they want again. Uh, they do have a habit of going back and forth on on these. I'm not, I'm not going to have this rant. I know I've had this rant before. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of event exclusives. I understand why they exist. 
but I'm not a fan of only selling things to a very small percentage of the audience uh, and essentially supporting the scalper community, which is the only people that benefit from this. Games Workshop certainly don't. Um, you could argue that Adepticon and stuff do, but um, and it's th- this is not just a G-Dub practice. The, yeah. the thing with a lot of other companies, and, and I'm, I'm going to use TT Combat as an example here, uh, they're not the only one, uh, but yeah. when TT Combat have event exclusives, and they do have them, during that event, they give you the option of buying it on the website. Mantic do the same thing. Um, I believe War Cradle do as well. That is what I feel is should be the norm, but Games Workshop are never going to do that because it's Games Workshop. I said I wasn't going to rant, so I'm going to be short. Anyway, that'll be available at Gen Con uh, as part of... Uh, they, they've got a reminder here about Golden Demon happening as well. And they're having a, a pop-up store, so it sounds like they're actually going full in on Adepticon this year, which is good. Because yeah. that's another thing where they kind of go back and forth on how far they want to go into these things. So Adepticon is obviously the one they're taking very seriously this year. The one I'm more interested in is how seriously they're going to take Gen Con. Because that's, yeah. that's the big one. It's, it's massive. Yeah. Having been there. Adepticon is the one where they tend to do their huge tournaments too. Um, but it's going to be... This is my opinion, not necessarily fact. If they decide not to take Gen Con as seriously, then I think that will be a sign about their confidence, personally. Uh, Because Gen Con is the show where they have the most competition. Uh, I would expect that they could just stroll in there and take away the attention from everybody else, if they really wanted to. But it's a matter of how much they want to. They're also a company yeah. that probably doesn't need to be there too, though, because it's not like they're winning a lot of customers at Gen Con. Anybody going to Gen Con is already most likely a customer mm-hmm. or a former customer. Yeah. Anyway, that's been kind of quiet on the G-Dub front. I mean, they had their new Kill Team reset released, uh, which we'd already talked about. Uh, the only thing being released this week is books, uh, which is great but it's not really our all right. Especially with somebody like you that's not interested in the game to begin with, I doubt that we're going to get uh-huh. you to read the books. Nope. Most likely not. Moving on to TT Combat, they do have a couple of things coming out. It's kind of on the quiet front from them because they are preparing for a big release in the next month or so. We've got Blood on the Water literally on the verge of coming out at this stage. We don't have an exact date, but it is very close. Um, first thing there, of that they are covering the uh, carrying the Army Painter Speed Paints. I yep. will definitely be getting these in at some point. Obviously, I'll be buying this local because I'd be silly to buy them from overseas. But Yeah. I have not got an order in, uh, but I will definitely be getting them at some point. I want to do a comparison. Um, not that I'm going to be getting them and it's like, oh, look how awesome I am. It's more. I didn't invest very heavily into Contrast, so I haven't used them a lot. Uh, yeah. But I understand why people did invest very heavily. But if I'm going to go all in on something like that, I think I'd prefer to go the other way. I've used them a little bit with my droids and it's 
pretty nice, pretty easy to, to do them real quick. It's a godsend so, for yellow. I've said it before. It's a godsend for yellow. Yeah. I was not very impressed with the white uh, for contrast. Uh, it just kind of came out all grey for me. But it was, mm. I mean, it was kind of a flat-ish thing I put it on, so maybe that's my fault. Yeah. Um, the big thing this week, and this is cutters. something that we're going to be talking about more than once, is, yeah, we've got cutters coming. Oh, we've got cutters and here. look awesome. I think this might be the first time in a while where the Scourge don't outright take the best-looking competition. I uh, agree with that. Not, not that I don't like the Scourge, but I actually think that they'd probably be bottom of the line on this one. I'd be very interested to hear what George thinks about the Shaltari stuff. I don't... Very... I mean, I know that we've seen these a little while ago, but we couldn't talk about yep. them. Uh, yes, we do get previous stuff that we're not allowed to talk about. Um, mainly because of reasons. Yeah. I, I don't know. I actually think I might... It's either the UCM or the resistance for me as far as the looks is concerned. I kind of like I'm the sideways the looks of the UCM stuff. Yeah, I do too. It kind of, I don't know, it's, it's like it's like a bike with a sidecar, but as a spaceship. Yeah, it's a very good comparison yeah. to how they look. I, I like it, yeah. The PHR stuff looks very nice as well. It's kind of very sharp and to the point. Th- that one in the middle kind of looks like the fin has just folded down to become a different ship. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I kind of, I mean, it, they look like yachts. Is uh-huh. the, the the image I have in my head? Um, and the, the, like the resistance stuff is always good, but I don't, I don't need to buy another fleet. I already have two, one of which that I never use. I am reaching a point where I'm like, maybe I should start building up my UCM again. <laughs> I mean, my UCM is sitting there, literally doing nothing. Because uh, I haven't added to it for so long, because I went and changed from because I was UCM and then I went to Scourge. So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, otherwise, everything else there is stuff that we've already talked about. Um. So let's move on to some Bushido stuff because you know I hate talking about Bushido. Always it's a pain in your side. Speaking of Bushido, if you're even vaguely interested in Bushido. Come to youtube.com slash getting tabled on Thursdays, which is the day that we release our tech talks that myself and brother bear are doing. Uh, they've been doing really well viewers wise. The, well, we had the interview initially, which did very well. Uh, and our first episode in the first 24 hours had over a hundred views. So that's nice. pretty good for us. Yeah. Um, it's a sign that I made a good call on agreeing to do it. Thank you, Ben. I do appreciate it. Um, so we've got a few things that are being shown off this week. Uh, there is some models for other factions. This first guy, Sautu Tugai, so he's the guy with the big chain weapon yep. thing. Uh, he is for the prefecture of Ryu. Uh, I do love the mini. I mean, he's quite gorgeous. He can actually throw that thing too. Um, I yeah. don't imagine that it would be something that would be very easy to throw. No. He can only throw it three inches, though. So I suspect that it's more he's flicking it out than yeah, actually like throwing it. Whipping it around. Yeah, kind of kind of like uh, Jackie Chan in, is it Rising Noon or whatever it's called? 
Yeah, something Where like he's that. got the chain and he's flicking it around the ladder or whatever. Um, we also have a very short pirate. At least, I think he's supposed to be short. It's kind of hard to tell with that actual pose. He does have a bit yeah. of lore where apparently they do nothing but tease him all the time about how useless he is as a sailor. But then the moment he gets onto the battlefield, he's just an absolute beast. Um, that's I really love the artwork for this guy. They did kind of tease it just before our last episode, and we kind of mentioned that yeah. like we did look at the artwork. I, I think the mini is actually better than the artwork, personally. They've changed a couple of things nice and subtly, but the only thing I would say is that if it was me, I'd probably want to paint that scar on. And I hate freehanding stuff, so I hate the fact that I'd want yeah, to do that be... already. But otherwise, I really like that. And up next is easily my favourite of the bunch. Uh, I want to say that this is the one that I said it was my favourite during the artwork. I don't remember. Because yeah. he's a giant man coming up in a tornado of fire. How could you not love this? With fireballs in his hand. Quite literally. This guy's called Botan. He's a monk for the Temple of Rokan. Uh, this guy looks like he's going to be a beast, especially for the points. He's only 14 rice. Um, I really love this mini. Um, it's probably one of my favourites in a long time. And then... We have somebody for the Syndicate. This is Satsuko, which my first impression is it's Budget Katana from Mortal Kombat. Um, just yeah. because anybody with fan weapons is automatically Katana in my eyes. Uh, Mortal Kombat's kind of ruined that. I do realise that, yes, they are a real weapon, but that's just what comes to my head. Um, she looks she looks like a beast. Uh, yeah. They've made a massive improvement with the mini over the artwork, though. The artwork looks a little bit cartoony, and she's way too tall in the artwork, uh, where it's much more realistic in the mini form. I think if they had have kept with that original, it would not have looked as nice. She's got, yeah. she's way more muscular in the mini, and it mm -hmm. feels more natural than the the very skinny, lanky vibe that they were going initially. I mean, yeah. I can see what they're trying to do, but it's just. I think the improvements they made in the mini itself was a very good call. And I like the fact that they do their Bushido minis, but none of it really makes you feel dirty by looking at it. It's just like everything's just really good and gorgeous. Mm -hmm. um, she's a rosé and a chate, but I don't actually know what that means because I haven't spent much time looking at the syndicate yet. And finally, we have some more teasers for the new two-starter, so the new two-player starter set. Uh, on Valentine's Day, they dropped a bit of lore between two of the characters in the starter set, one from each side, and basically their lovers torn between two rivaling factions within the Ronin. So this is definitely not... This is definitely not Romeo or Juliet. It's definitely not that, even though it's definitely that. Um, they, they've released a couple of stories. This one is about them sitting by a fire and people kind of ended up kind of accidentally leaving them alone 
even though they're like they they clearly not supposed to be together, but they are, and it's 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 all very cliche in the right way. We have seen a few things for Miss Box Set now. There have been a few teasers that's been coming through on our Discord as well. So it's it's nice to get some stuff out there. I'm definitely excited for this. I like the fact that they're doing a starter set. Because they're doing it as Ronan, you can kind of, like, there's something in there for every faction. So you could just use this um, and use this as a faction for the game. Or split it with a mate. Or you can turn around and, you know, just add this to your existing forces. It's a really smart idea for a starter set. The issue, of course, with most starter sets is that if you don't want the armies that's in the starter set, then you kind of have to go and buy all of the starter set stuff separately. Yeah. It ends up being very expensive. So that's why I'm a fan of that. Any preferences on your side with any of those minis? Botan and... Probably hits the mark. M- M- Mr. Firemonk. Yeah. Is definitely a good one. All right. There is a new starter set for Kings of War. Kings of War is a brilliant game. If you like your mass battles in a fantasy setting, this is one that got a lot of attention when fantasy died and has kind of just gone from strength to strength ever since. Um... There are some people look at it and just go, oh, well, it's Mantic. I'm sure it's crap. No, no, it, this is worth your time. Um, I do enjoy Age of Sigmar. I know that there's people that don't, but no, this is... King's War is worth your time. Um, this particular starter set is the second starter set we've had for their newer, newer edition, but it doesn't replace the old one. They've just given you a different option to buy. This one comes with Halflings, and it comes with Orcs. Um, I love the fact that halflings are just getting all of the attention from everybody lately. Yeah, they are. Um, the leader halfling that's on the best doggo of all time. He is just such a good boy. I mean, look at how good of a boy he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm sorry, that lion is going to eat him alive. That The lion is clearly the hero of this box set. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it kind of gives me vibes of Skeletor on Panthor from the He-Man days. Because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's a blue lion as opposed to a panther. Um, Yeah, I mean, Mantic have been doing good stuff for a while. So it, it doesn't surprise me that they've got a, a good box set with some nice looking stuff in it. Um, the two hero models are both resin. Everything else is going to be plastic. Most of the actual troops are stuff that we've seen released over the last six months or so. Um, So this is all existing stuff, with the exception of the two heroes. Which are definitely the highlight for me. Uh, I think we've seen the guys on the the little board before. Yeah, it's only only the heroes that's the new ones. Everything else is existing kits. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm a fan of this. I think they've done really well with this with this box set. The old one was like the 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 Northern Alliance versus I want to say the Rat King, which we also looked at. 
Mantic have been kind of going a little nuts of late because they're also releasing a new game on Kickstarter, because of course, um, for the Umbrella Academy, which was, I want to say Netflix, but might have been Amazon. Um, I've only seen a couple of episodes of it. This is actually based on the comic by the artwork. Um, There is also quite a few teasers across on their Facebook page as well. I've highlighted a couple of them um, just on the screen at the moment. So this is going to be a board game by the look of it. It feels like it's going to be very much in the same vein that Walking Dead was, uh, which is not a criticism. It's just that that is obviously what they're going for. It's like the board game that could become more. It's going to be on Kickstarter. I don't know exactly when at this stage that they've got like a sign, that they've got a page that you can sign up for and they'll announce so that you know when it goes live. But here's the big thing and the thing that I think should be getting everybody's attention. The person that wrote for the, the rules for this is Alessio Cavatore, which mm. is a very big name in the rules industry. Um, he's been designing the game itself. He's worked alongside Mantic, not for the first time. They have worked together before. Uh, but Alessio Cavatore is not a name to be passing by. He's made some very popular things. Or been involved in some very popular things. Um, yeah. One last look at those minis on the Facebook page. And then... Conquest time. Alright, so all of their starter sets are being kind of rehashed a little bit here. Uh, starting with the two-player starter set, they've kind of updated this um, so that it now comes with the updated rules and everything because um, all of the existing sets were coming with older stuff. Um, but the two-player starter set, this was, without doubt, the, the most bang-for-your-buck starter set that anybody had been doing for a while, especially given that the minis are a little bit larger because uh, this is a... 35 mil scale. That's yeah. a little bit bigger than normal, but not quite as big as the Marvel stuff. Uh, that abomination is like huge, which is the big spidery human person looking thing. Everything on the right hand side is horrible and ugly. Uh, I think I want to say that the um, the box set images are just so much nicer than the old ones. Not that the old ones looked bad, but the box set just looks really nice. Mm-hmm. But they're also re-releasing the box sets for the actual forces themselves. So if you don't want to buy a two-player starter set and you'd prefer to buy just something for your army, you can also do that. This is kind of a, a more of a, a full buy-in than your start collecting type boxes where you're kind of you're getting a few things that give you a feel for what they work with, but they're not always great in the game these are literally core units for each game so you've got the dwegum uh the dwegum comes with the same stuff that it used to it's just again been updated uh and the big thing that's new as far as i can tell um other than obviously the the rule book's been updated but it's also coming with a next step guide so it's coming with some advice on what you want to buy next which that's nice 
Yeah, I think all starter sets should be doing that. They're just stupid not to. Infinity does that as well, or at least used to. Um, but Games Workshop don't do that. Um, I suspect deliberately, but I'm not having a go at Games Workshop. Um, because it's not like they're going to complain if you buy stuff that's not great, because then you're going to buy more yeah. stuff. Um, from moving on from the Dwegum, we have essentially the same thing, but for the Nords, which is your human faction. The previous one, obviously, being Dwarves. Uh, the Nords are very Viking-esque. Uh, I do love the Nords. They kind of have a few things, monster-wise, that kind of have the feel of um, monsters from their myth. You also have the Hundred Kingdoms, which is another human faction. This is pure human, though. Um, so this one is... You've got some knights, you've got some footmen, uh, you've got... That hero is just gorgeous. I mean, all of this stuff is gorgeous, but... Hero in particular. Uh, the Hundred Kingdoms are like they used to be a big empire and everything kind of collapsed because they lost a war. So they're kind of fighting against the darkness. This is a game where nobody's really the, the good guy. Moving on from there, we have the Spires, which is. You'll see a few crossovers from the two player starter set, but not everything. Um, but the benefit of this is that you're not having to find someone to buy the human stuff if you didn't want them. There's not really anything in this that I'm not a fan of, in all honesty. Like, models-wise, there's nothing in this that I would look at and go, eh, everything's kind of cool. And then finally, as far as starter sets is concerned, oh, my thingy reset on me. Hang on, I need to find it again. We have the Wadroon. So this is the army that I own. And the one that I think is awesome. Because it's orcs, but with dinosaurs. So you've got your yeah. Predator. Uh, you've got your Brutes. You've got your Blooded. You've got your Slingers. And you've got your Hunters. Um, it's, it is worth noting that those units... So the Slingers and the Hunters. And the Blooded and the... Braves, sorry, I called them brutes, they're braves. They are all dual kits, so they can build one of two things. So in theory, you could just build all of one thing or all of the other um, mm -hmm. if you didn't want to take every unit, but they definitely all have their place. Uh, and again, just gives you an idea of what to buy next. I really like that. So yeah, that's the one-player starter sets. They've kind of done one for everything. Uh, but the other stuff that we have seen, this stuff is on pre-order as well. The Dwegum Hellbringer Drake is, I think, the best thing I've seen since the T-Rex that I own and haven't built yet. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, this thing is just badass. Um, it's big. It's chunky. It, it kind of feels like it's, it kind of feels like a Tarrasque from D&D. But with guns strapped to the side of it. Um, this is just the good thing about doing your own version of things is that you can kind of make things like this and not everybody go, "Oh, well, that doesn't feel very whatever to me." Mm -hmm. Because I mean, it's not a dragon, it's it's not a worm. I mean, it's it's kind of 
it feels like it belongs in that area. Like I said, it, to yeah. me, it feels like it's a Tarrasque, but with guns. Um, I don't know what the inspiration is, but that's what comes to my head. Um, we also have something new from the Wadroon, which was being teased last time, but I forgot to talk about it. So this is actually out, which is the, um, the aberration. So this is a very feral looking thing. Uh, he's just all kinds of nasty. So this is a new, uh, this is a new, um, command upgrade that you can get. It, it kind of just, it goes under the side of your heroes. Um, it's an infantry type. He just like, it just goes alongside with certain types of models, uh, instead of the standard thing. So you could probably argue that this is an optional thing that you don't need to buy because it's kind of a leader for one of your existing things, but it's just, it's a unique one. So it's more obvious that you do have it, uh, especially if you're playing against people that won't allow you to use things unless they're um actually shown. Actually on the table. Yeah. I personally don't have an issue with that, but I understand that it, it is a thing. Um, it depends on what, the, I mean, if he was in a tournament, then I would expect that you would have shown that you have this stuff or done some work to the model to show that it's not just another model. Um, yeah. that's, that's just my thoughts on it. But I really like this. Over the weekend, there has been a tease of what the new faction's going to be, but I haven't seen those at this stage. And until there's some better images of them, I'm going to hold them off till next episode. Cheap plug. If you like all of this stuff and you want to buy it, use the code getting tabled in their checkout and you'll get 10% off and support us too. Indie. Definition. Independent. Type. Slang word. Jargon. Altar of the Dead Gods. Now, there is something big about this that I'm deliberately not mentioning, and I will mention after a few minutes. Uh, but it's probably the most exciting thing about this for most people. So, this is a game that kind of, for me, has a very Frostgrave feel. Altar of the Dead Gods is exactly what it you, you think that it is. Like, you're, you're going through an ancient old temple to try to find artifacts and treasures. It's a labyrinth found underground. It's filled with monsters. They're preying on humanity. Like it, it says, like, they predated humanity. Shapes of nightmares. Old gods loomed over us. We came looking for riches. We found madness. So this is... It, it definitely has a a Lovecraft feel, which is not accidental, obviously. Um, it's a buried temple that you're exploring with your faction. You've got one of six factions. Not all of them are good factions. You've got vampires. You've got hunters. You have blood witches. You have pilgrims of the church. You have cultists. And you have the decadent waltz, which... Clearly is very nice, noble people and not an evil corruption whatsoever. I mean, with a name like that, clearly you know they have to be upstanding and, and lovely and good and no, definitely not. But here's the big thing with this game. This is being developed in some, from somebody in the community and this is being developed and it's free. The Which rules are free. The cards are free. You can download everything from the website. 
You can make your own terrain. It comes with downloadable terrain that you can get for free. It's miniatures agnostic, so you can use your existing stuff and just make it fit wherever you want. So this is very much along the same lines as Frostgrave, where you could really go in deep and spend a lot of money making your custom faction. Or you can just grab whatever you want and just say, look, this is what this is, this is what that is. Yep. I love this idea so much. The actual rule book, when you download it, uh, I'm trying to remember how many pages. It's it's 80 pages. And I, this doesn't read like, it doesn't just look like it's a Word document. This is, it's got art, it's got, it's very well laid out. He's chosen specific fonts to make it look fancy. He's put a lot of work into this. Um, I don't know exactly how long this has been out. Uh, it's possible that it tells me in this document somewhere. Uh, November 2021. So I'm a big fan of this. Now, whether this ultimately ends up becoming something that they do end up selling, I don't know. But at this stage, it's literally available and he's making it available for free. Um, I mean, best way to get people testing it, I guess. But mm -hmm. I, I suspect that there's going to have to be something that he'll need to do to, to fund it in the end. But yeah, if you want a rule set and you want to try out something that's different, there's no reason not to download this and give it a go. Like, there's no excuse. If you want to try out a new game, you can take your minis from whatever you own. I mean, if you've got sci-fi stuff, it's going to look weird, but yeah, like you've got no excuse not to do it. And you can't, like, you can't tell me that you can't take your Legion stuff and just make something Star Wars. Like, it's an ancient Sith temple yeah, or whatever. I mean, Sith stuff is designed to make you go mad. Um, you, you can't tell me that that wouldn't work. It's not that hard to change the, the, the aesthetics of these sort of things to make them work yeah. with what you own. Um, everything is very well laid out. There's diagrams and tables to explain how certain things work. Um, I mean, they've got an example here of the push rule, and it's exactly what you think. If you're behind it, then it's being pushed that way or that way or that way. It's very much like Blood Bowl in that sense. Um... There's some depth here. The artwork is really nice. It kind of feels like something that would have come out of Lovecraft. There's lots of these, like, random symbols and stuff everywhere. Uh, I don't know what I would play if I was to play this. I need more time to look at it. I don't know if I'm playing this. I just, given that this is free and given how much work has very clearly gone into this, this is something that I could not talk about. Now, yeah. there was something else that we were going to talk about first, and I was going to talk about this next episode, but the website, for some reason, is working for me and not for Socks, so we decided to bring this up a couple of weeks early. Um, but make no mistake, the only reason I was initially delaying this is because I wanted to know more about it before I started talking about it. Sorry, this Bruce. is... How dare you? <laughs> That's right. Um... This is something that clearly I, I do have an excitement for. I love this idea. Um, I'm kind of tempted to go vampires personally, but like I said, I, I don't really have a huge knowledge you of what the fact... No, because, I mean, how could I at this stage? I only found yeah. out it existed three days ago. 
Um, I, yeah, like I said, I really love this idea. There's absolutely no reason not to give this a go if you're looking to do something different because it's literally free. It's literally something you can pick up and play with anything that you own. Steal some stuff out of a board game. Just go nuts. Yeah. That's true. So that's our indie. Oh, I think we should probably talk about some hobby. Dream, glue, crying, paint. What have you been up to, Socks? Nothing, unfortunately. Work has been crazy, uh, as I told you before. We, I know, crazy before I we started recording. So, nothing yet. Uh, however, comma there is a Legion tournament next month that I'm mm-hmm. going to try and finish up the Empire Army that I'm going to be bringing. So, be working on those. Nice. The double ATSD uh, list. So, looking forward to finally finishing at least part of my army for the Empire. Yep. Do you suspect that we will ever get AT-ATs? I'm kind of hoping that we don't, because they're too big. They're too big, and if we do, it'd just be a terrain piece. That that, um, One of the commanders, um, General Veers, actually, excuse me, has a command card that acts as a AT-AT off-the-board shot. So I don't think we'll ever get an actual AT-AT model itself. It It would take up most of the table if they did. It'd take up most of your army in terms of points. Well, that too, but... But yeah, size wise, yeah, it's it take up half the board. Yeah. What have you been um, up to? I've been spending a lot of my time doing one of my big goals for this year. One of the things I said in last year is that I wanted to do some live streaming this year, and I've yeah. legitimately started doing that. Been spending a lot of time on Pokemon. The new Pokemon came out, and I've actually been enjoying a Pokemon game for the first time in what feels like a decade. Uh, I mean, it hasn't been a decade, but it kind of, like, there's been a lot of Pokemon games that came out, and I was like, this is just Pokemon Red with a different coat of paint again, where I kind of felt like Game Freak, the people behind Pokemon, were just being really lazy. Um, A lot of people for a long time had been asking for an open world type game, which are just everywhere, and Pokemon is just a game that's screaming for open world, and it's made a big difference. It actually does feel like somewhat of a modern game. I mean, it's not a perfect game. It still feels very... It still feels very Pokemon. Uh, yeah. But the fact that you actually do have things to explore and can kind of just go and do whatever you want definitely helps for me. I did have a hobby night on Monday night. Uh, we were painting up some Moonstone. I was painting up some Bushido. Nice. Um, I had somebody harassing me, telling me that I should paint up some Bot War. But I didn't. Um, the, the, Twitch, the Twitch is going okay. Um, I'm doing it Tuesday nights and Thursday nights from 7 till 9. Well, at least 7 till 9. I, I've yeah. kind of gone over every single night that I've done it so far. Shame on you. Ah, look, this is my theory. I, I, If I was going to do it, I wanted to do it in a way where it wasn't going to burn me out. Because that, yeah. on top of this, on top of working full-time, is not entirely a healthy schedule if I was to try and have done it every night. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something I can use to help motivate me to get more hobby done. Yeah. Um, it's also something that can help motivate me get through some more games because my Switch, 
I love my Switch, but I don't get to it as often as I should. Um, I've kind of gotten... I've got like 16 followers in the first nice. week and a bit. So I don't really know if that's good or not. I mean, I, I need to get to 50 followers before... Um, before a month is over. So, if you're at all vaguely interested in Twitch, or you just want to support me and never look, give me a follow at twitch.tv slash Jason the Bruce. Jason the Bruce is literally just written Jason the Bruce. There's no quotation marks like you see on the screen. Um, otherwise, if you do a search for Jason the Bruce on Facebook, I'm very vain and I created myself a Facebook page. <laughs> I felt really weird doing it. Uh, I'm sure. Well, I'm not that person, but yeah. I kind of like, there was a friend that was talking to me. He's like, well, no, you kind of need to do that if you're going to, because you need to have something there that's not just getting tabled. Because uh, yeah. as much as, yeah, like, yes, I can share, hey, I'm going live. Uh, it just mixes and confuses what the getting table channel's about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so having a Jason, I mean, I've kind of just shared it minimal at this point. I probably should share it on our page for more people to have a go. But the Twitch is the big one. I would like to get to that 50 if I can because I'd like to get to that associate thing. Not associate. Affiliate thing Yeah. if I can. Because then it actually it shows that it's it shows that I've got something going. So I'm enjoying it. It's not just going to be Pokemon. But it Hobby is going to... I'm trying to balance between the hobby and the video gaming aspect of it. I'm enjoying Pokemon at the moment because, well, it's where I started and it's like, well, let's see for how far I get. There's a new game called... Well, there's a new-ish game come out called Webbed where you're this tiny little spider trying to fix puzzles and stuff in, like, you're helping out ants build a giant ant monster robot thing um, and trying to not drown and... I was watching somebody else play it on the PC, and I was like, this looks so cool. My first thought, of course, is why can't we do this on the tabletop? Why can't I have an army yeah. of spiders against your army of ants or something? And just make it insanely cute. No, it would have to be a board game, I think. Yeah. But, yeah, so, I mean, I have been doing a lot, uh, but I haven't at the same time. I did record an unboxing for Malifaux yesterday. Uh, I've still got a couple of unboxing to, to do for Drop Fleet and Drop Zone, which is the same stuff that I still had to do previously. I kind of did like 10 videos all at once, one after the other at one point, and was like, going to kind of take a couple of days off. So yeah. I kind of concentrated on Twitch. Um, I will definitely be doing another hobby night at some stage. I don't know what night it's going to be. But... Possible I might jump onto something later today as well. We'll see how long it takes to edit this. <laughs> Otherwise. Game talk. I think it's time for a bit of game talk, yeah. Talk nerdy to me. So we are back into a subject that we were not talking about that long ago. Nope. Um, because we've got the carters. So And we've got the rules. Yeah, it's worth looking at the actual rules. I'm going to start with the UCM stuff. So this is basically exactly the same thing that we did last time. We've got the Redshift... The Redshift... The Redshift... 
Sorry, it's not an easy word to say unless you're used to it. Uh, it's got a 6-inch scan, 3-inch signature, 14-inch thrust. So these things are fast and hard to tie down. Yeah. Uh, it's got a hull of 5, armor is 5 plus, um, point defense of 2. They come in groups of 2 to 3. Uh, their type is light 2. I don't know what the L2 is about. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it means too. I'll look it up in a minute. Uh, they have Outlier and Vectored. Uh, they come with a UF-9000 Twin Mass Driver. You get locks of 3+, plus, 2 attacks at 2 damage, Front Arc only, and Fuselard 1. So these things are quick. They are potentially going to do a lot of damage, but they're kind of glass cannony. Is kind of the feel I'm getting for this particular one. Um, I mean, that 14-inch thrust is going to get you up quite quickly into the mix. Uh, the Nuke is probably the one people are leaning on, actually. Um, so this one starts looking very similar. 6-inch scan, 3-inch sig, 14-inch thrust, 5-hull... Uh, Armor 5 plus, 2 point defense, groups of 2 to 3. So all of that's the same. But they come with haywire blasters. It's got a lock of 4 plus, an attack of 1, damage type of O, which we will explain zero. in a second. Oh, 0, sorry. Uh, front arc. Close action beam and haywire. So the haywire rule, if this weapon hits... The target ship can only go on standard orders this round. Which is pretty nasty. Yeah. Especially if you've set them up to go into something really mean. Or you've got something that's about to absolutely obliterate them. Then they can't get away from it. Well, yeah. it would be very difficult for them to get away from it. Yep. Because there are, they can only turn 45 degrees at either the front or the end. It's going to be very hard to outmaneuver something. Uh, they can't really get rid of spikes because they can't go quiet. They're, they're kind of stuck just trying to survive, really. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of would argue that this is something that you're probably going to have to start taking, the nuke, that is. Yeah. But Especially in saying that, you don't want a lot of them. You, you just need no. a group of them. Maybe two groups of them, but I'm not sure it'd be worth to take more than one group. Yeah, especially when it says in part of the description that if you got ships, opposing ships that are station keeping on top of objectives. Oh, that's a good point. Wire. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. You hit them with the hair wire and then they have to move forward. They can't keep on station keeping. Yeah. But, uh, going back to your tonnage L2, their strat rating is two instead of one. That's what the L2 represents. Their, their strat rating when you're building your, your fleet. So that each one sense. is a strat rating of two. Yeah, that makes sense. Based on the L2. Uh, do you want to go through the Scourge? Yep. So the Scourge have the Wraith and the Parasite. Um, the Wraith has a 6-inch scan, 6-inch signature, thrust of 16 inches, hole of 6, uh, armor 5+, plus, 2 point defense, 2 to 3 grouping as well, tonnage is L2, outlier and vectored as well. And then for its weapon types... As the Oculus Rays, it's a 3-plus lock, 1 attack, 1 damage, front arc, with Scald. And then it has the Plasma Brand, 
with a four plus lock, two attack, two damage, front arc, close action beam as well. Yeah. So pretty nasty getting in close. Um, and then the parasite. This one is nasty, and I think yeah, it's going to I, I'm a big take. fan. Th- there was kind of mixed reactions on this, and my immediately my immediate reaction on the parasite was, "This is big. Why not take it? Like you have to." My opinion on th- I'm going to let you talk about it first because yep. yeah, I, I, so, I'm going to I, I'm talking about this. Yeah. So six inch scan, six inch signature. Again, six inch thrust, hole of six plus six. Uh, five plus armor, two point defense, one to three grouping instead of two to three like the Wraith, L2, Outlier, and Vectored as well. And then it has Oculus Rays with a three plus lock, one attack, one damage, front arc, and Scald. But then also has a Energy Siphon. Um, during the ship's turn activation, either before or after movement, pick one friendly or enemy ship within three inches to Siphon. That ship loses any spike it has, and this ship gains it. If any ships in a group have siphoned any spikes, all ships in that group add a bonus to their Oculus Rays for that activation. So if you have a minor spike anywhere in your group, you increase your attack and your damage of your Oculus Rays by one. And if you have a major spike, increase that by two. Yeah. Which is nasty. Now your attack is three and three for three ships. Yeah. With Scald. So, so here's the thing. When this first started getting talked about, a lot of people's reaction about this was, yes, but I don't understand why you would why you would ever use it. Like, how is this? I mean, I understand why it's supposed to be helpful, but I, I don't get why you would ever use this over just something that's going to do damage. So, no, 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 but this is like... Either you're using this to stop your big things getting shot out, Siphoning a major spike after a ship goes whooping free, yeah. like your so, so or a battleship. Me and Socks are in a battle, and he's trying to take out my dreadnought because my dreadnought's causing a lot of damage, and he's just managed to get a major spike onto it. So I'm stealing that major spike, which means he no longer gets to do it, and you take out my dreadnought. And on top of it, I'm using that major st- major spike to punish him for doing it to begin with. This yeah. is nasty. Mm-hmm. If you're not taking these and finding a way to use them, you're not paying attention. I would put these with a group of in, in a grouping of with a battleship or a dreadnought for that purpose. Yeah, your battleship or your dreadnought goes whipping free, or like you said, I get a couple of uh, burn through uh, shots with uh, the lasers yep. and cause the major spike off of that, and then I lose that twelve inch scan range because yeah. you lost the, I lost that major spike on you. But then you're going to punish me with three shots. Here's the thing, though, too. Realistically, it also works the other way. I want to attack you with my Dreadnought, and I'm going to go weapons free. Oh, no. Now my my ship is kind of exposed. Oh, that's okay. I will siphon that off and do even more damage to you. But take these with something that's going to be weapons free. So that either you use it to protect them and then get to do more damage with them, or you're protecting it from the from the energy spikes that other people are giving it. Uh, th- yep. This is this is must take. Make no mistake. Like in a tournament I situation, I do not understand how you would not have this in your list. It's too good. It's not broken, but these things will. At the moment. 
the moment you do that once, they are going to be taken out. There's no way people are going to allow you to get away with this in multiple turns. But all you need to do is get away with this once. There is absolutely no reason not to take these in your list. Um, I mean, I'm welcome to the discourse. I mean, I know that people have the other opinion, but yeah. I honestly, I think this is the best ship. No, no, there is there is one in the UCM there's, that's also quite nasty. A, but... Yeah. So they actually have these up on the, the website, their fleet builder, and the, par- the parasite is 35 points. Yep. Each the wraith is eighty points. So for two hundred and forty points to get three of these, it's not bad. No, yeah, it's really good. Uh PHR. So we have the Pegasus and we have the Urania. Uh Pegasus is a six inch scan, three inch sig, fourteen inch thrust, so it should be pretty obvious these things are all going to be fast by now. Uh five hull, a t- armor of four plus. Point defense of two, groupings of two to three, light. They've got outlier and regenerate six. That alone is kind of scary on this. Comes with nano droids. So this is only for close action. Locker four plus, 2d3 plus two, one damage, front and side, and it's close action swarmer. Drone repair. The regenerate rule does not shut down when the ship is crippled. So this thing has a lot of really nasty... Like, it's going to be really hard to get rid of these. Uh, I mean, As if you roll... Drop zone. Yeah. Uh, you're looking at either three attacks or seven attacks. No. Yep. Four. Either f- so, one one two d three. Yeah, so it's either four two. or eight or eight. Six makes eight, so it makes it yeah eight yeah. So it's either four or eight damage Which, that you're. So it's either four or eight attacks bad? that you're getting on this. But even if you're rolling bad on this, this is really going to be annoying. Um. Yeah. I'm not going to quite say that it's must-take, but this is really tempting because you're not going to be able to get rid of these things either. And the Arania. So this is an 8-inch scan, 3 sig, 14-inch thrust, 5-hole, attack of 4+, sorry, armor of 4+, point defense of 2, groupings of 1 to 3, it's light, outlier, and rare. This one has a targeting link, so you already know exactly what this is going to do. Uh, Friendly ships within range scan and signature of this ship can use it as a spotter. Measuring range from the spotter of the target ship instead of from their firing ship. The firing ship must, however, still be able to draw a line of sight to the target ship. The rule does not have any effect on close action weapons for obvious reasons. So all you've done with this is give yourself a bigger range with ships that really need it. I can now compete with this Shaltari. Yeah. Pretty much. That's... I, I would argue that you don't want to take a lot of these. No. But I'd say that the PHR is the, is the one where, realistically, you're going to want both types. 
Uh, I, I think that the Irania probably is going to be must must take. I mean, some the one thing with the PHR that makes it hard is like you do have to think a couple of turns in advance. It's a little bit more complicated to get them working right. This doesn't solve all of those problems, but it no. really does help. It it solves our frontal assault until we're able to get dark broadsides out. Yeah. But even then, you swing these all around to the flank and, and now you're shooting your broadsides at half the across half the board. Yeah. Um and on top of that, Shatari? You wanna cover yep. the Shatari? So the Cassium is a eight inch signature or scan, sorry, three to eight signature, three normal, eight with the shields. Yeah. Twenty inch thrust, so the fastest of all the cutters. Uh yeah. three. Armor is six plus, four plus with the shield on. Uh point defense of six, two to three grouping, light tonnage. Outlier and Vectored as well. It has a Focus Disruptor, which is a 3-plus lock, 3-attack, 1-damage, front narrow, and Caliber of Light, so it's nice at taking out lighter targets. Yep. Um, which is nice. I know about that all too well as a PHR. And then the Gallium is the same stats. 8-inch scan, 3-8 to signature, 16-inch uh, thrust, so a little bit slower on this one, though. A uh, hole of 3-inch, 6-plus, 4-plus armor, Six point defense, one to three grouping, light tonnage as well. Outlier and vectored. It has the big atomizer array. Uh, three plus lock, six attack, zero damage, front arc, close action beam, and corruptor. So bio bio atomizer array. It's yeah, a disintegrator. Yeah, it's a disintegrator beam basically. So this, yeah. this is Mars attacks. It's a skeleton creating gun. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. It's Beam, which already makes it scary. Um, and Corruptor is not nice either. Even more scary. Yeah. These things are going to be nasty. Um, then on the resistance side, so you've got the Sigatari. They've got a scan of four, signature of four, thrust of 16, hull of five, armor of four plus, point defense of one, groupings of one to three, light and it's outlier so this signature wise and scan wise is the smallest of them mm -hmm. you have an n12 artillery cannon which is a lock of four plus four attacks one damage front so this is very very simple it's just doing what it's doing there's no real trickery attached to this um and on the other side the Belaris is exactly the same except this one has launch and outlier there's no weapons attached to this. It's just here for the launch. So this is a really easy way of getting some more stuff on the table. Uh, you're getting two fighters and bombers. Um, it's probably the least fancy out of all of them, but if you're yeah. struggling to get fighters and bombers, which you do want in a competitive list in this mm -hmm. game, uh, and you don't want to take them on your big ships in replacement of something else that you want. This is an easy way to solve the problem. Um, th this is uh, this is more. It's something that gives you options as opposed to something that fills a gap. It's probably it's the least exciting thing. It's the least exciting thing in the list, but I don't think it's a bad option. Just my yeah, thought. I agree. The other thing that dropped this week, 
is there's been a fairly big ballots pass go through. So I thought it was probably worth touching on this very quickly. We're essentially mm-hmm. just going to go through the list on this. Uh, this is all just balances. They do touch on a couple of things. Experimental rules. They're... Um, the first thing they're adding is a couple of new experimental rules in the FAQ. Uh, you don't need to use them. They're experimental. Basically what they're doing with these sort of things normally is that it's an experimental rule. We're trying this to see if it works and helps. If we find that it does, it will become permanent. If they find that it doesn't and it was only experimental, they can take it away. It gives them options. I know not everybody likes the experimental thing, but when you're introducing something new it's probably not a bad way to do it honestly especially if you're yeah. not sure if it's going to break things because mm-hmm. if you do something it's like this could be fun but it could also ruin and break the game um like, then this gives like a this chance this yeah this next one could be really good so for dreadnought add Standard orders and special orders that allow a Dreadnought to fire one weapon system allow it to fire two weapon systems instead. Which makes sense. It's a huge ship. Yeah. It should be able to fire a few more weapons than on standard orders or or something that allows it to shoot with special orders. Yeah. See, what they're trying to do here very clearly is they're trying to give people a reason to want to take these in a competitive list, which doesn't happen. Dreadnoughts generally don't appear outside of friendly games. Uh, because points-wise, you just end up being better off taking other things. Uh, That could very definitely change that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can see a lot more being brought in tournaments. Yeah. Uh, But I can completely understand why this is experimental, too, because it could very easily make them too good. Uh, If it does... um, Because I kind of like this idea... And I think I'd prefer them weakening the weapons before they take the rule away, personally. Yeah, that'd be a good trade-off. But then, why does the big, why does the big ship have crappy weapons? Is the other. Yeah, that's that, that's true too. I'm kind of hoping that it just works and they don't need to tweak this. Overcharge has also changed, so it's now changed to a weapon with this rule may be overcharged. An overcharged weapon and any weapons with overcharge it is linked to, doubles its damage value for that attack. If the ship is on weapons free orders, it may only fire close action or low power weapons, but not any other weapon types. However, if the ship is on any other orders, it may not use launch assets or fire any other weapons, including close action and power weapons. So there's a couple of things that's changed here. If you're overcharging a weapon, it's doing more, but it means that you can't use other stuff. You can't have it both. Yeah, you can't have it both ways anymore. This is the big thing. Uh, And I think this is probably a move for the better. Mm -hmm. Um, As much as, I mean, overcharge is nice, but risky. Uh but it didn't really make a lot of sense that you're overcharging this, putting all your power into this, but somehow you can still launch everything and use your other weapons. Yeah. Um, though, in saying that, I don't understand. Well, under this new version of the overcharge rule, I don't think you'd be doing it on weapons free anymore. 
No. Unless you have a lot of weapons that are not close action and low app, low power. Yeah, that's true. Because you can still use the close action and low power. You just can't use everything else. So if you're on a Dreadnought that has like five or six different guns, it means that you're only getting to use the one gun, but your close action stuff in that is okay if you're close enough. I don't know. I, I, that one's a little harder to, to judge how that much is going to change. Mm -hmm. All right, ship changes. The London's been reduced to 450 points. Uh, from the so this is the issue. I don't know exactly how much they used to cost without going yeah, back and listening. Without going back and listening to our episodes, I can tell you what they used to cost in the magazine. But I think these points may have changed already once. Yeah. I didn't think of this. I was just thinking, well, I can't talk about it. And then I realised, oh, wait, yes, I can. So, UCM, London. 500-ish, if I remember correctly. Used to be 470, so it's a drop of okay. 20 points. Two, 20 points. The Washington, Washington's 440, to 440. used yep. to be 450, so that one hasn't changed as much. Nope. Uh, and then we have the St. Petersburg. Which has gone down. Yeah. I think that used to be around the 160 ish. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, they're not in this thing. And they've already yeah. been updated on the website, which is why we're not bringing the website up. There's no point. The Shenlong is down to 160, and I think that used to be 175 off the top of my head. Some of these things are going to be wrong, but I am acknowledging that. The Raiju is 150, and I think that used to be around the 160 mark, or 165. Uh, and then we have the Shadow, which I do have in here somewhere, I think. Which is down to 195. Or is the Shadow not in here? Maybe that's not in here. Incubus. No, no, that's not in here. Uh, PHR-wise, the Agrippa has increased its points to 175. The Agrippa, from memory, is one of the ones that we really liked. Yeah, that's uh, the one that allows you to do that little uh, debris field. Yeah. Which I can see why it's increased to 175 points. If you're able to put out that debris field, it only affects your opponent. There, there is, like, this is the one that we were like, this is really good. It might be too good. Yeah. Uh so there's also been a change made to that. So the change to the hollow debris field effect is to once per activation during any part of that activation, including during movement, you may place a dense debris field within three inches of the ship. These debris fields are removed at the end of the roundup phase and are circular with a four inch diameter. A D6 or custom template are preferred tokens to represent these. Uh, friendly ships and launch assets ignore these debris fields. So it's it's a little bit more balanced, but I, I yeah I can definitely see why the points of this has gone up. The Hector yeah. has gone down to one fifty five. Don't know what that used to be because I'm not a PHR player. One sixty five, one seventy, somewhere around there. Yeah, and the Ajax is down to ninety five. 
I think that used right to be around 100. 100, 105, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, the Shiltari, the Jade Particle Lance, remove Fuchelard 1. And Particle Lance, increase the damage to 2. This makes sense. It's yep. just, like, it, this just makes sense. Let's just give it the damage all the time. Um, the Obsidian, reduce its points to 145. I don't know what that used to cost. I want yeah. to say 160. Uh, the Hematite, increase its points to 230. I'm not sure. Yeah. George would know. Yeah. Um, I doubt that any of this is going to really surprise George. But at the same time, we both know that he's going to moan about it. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much sense all, any of the nerfs make. He's always going to moan about it. Uh, resistance. Don't have as much changes. Uh, they're all kind of tweaks here and there. The frigate weapon systems, the N31 hybrid gun turret, has reduced its points to nothing. So they now have a default gun, essentially. Yep. Uh, and the light vent cannon turret no longer has scald. But you know what? But I'm kind of happy with. with. Yeah, we were all surprised when we were going over frigates a couple of weeks ago like that when I had scald. So I'm okay it with it too. Didn't make any sense to me why they had, like. What? Why are we muddying the waters basically? Mm -hmm. Because then, why would you not just always play resistance and nobody else when you can already create any anything that you want? Yeah. Uh, the heavy frigate has increased its points to thirty five, so that's its base cost. before you start adding stuff. The Senator has reduced its points to 160, and it's increased its scan to 12 inches. The Triumvir rule has added rare as a special rule, so you can't take as many of them anymore. I'm surprised it didn't have that already, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, it's changed its box of scraps to read, at the end of the ship's activation, pick one friendly ship within six inches, in line of sight, including this one. Place a box of scraps tokens next to that ship. Next time that ship would be destroyed, it isn't. Instead, remove box of scraps token and that ship remains in play with D3 hull points remaining. Box of scraps tokens persist through rounds, but ships may only have one box of scraps token. So you can't just spam it, which is good. Nope. Um, and that's it. Yeah. So... None of this really feels like, oh, my God, this changes everything. It all kind of feels like little tweaks, which is what you would expect, honestly. Yeah. Um, it all kind of makes sense in my head. Um, the only thing I would say as far as a negative is concerned is I kind of wish that these things, these articles said from this to that, as much as I mm -hmm. understand that it would take... As much as I would understand that it would take a little bit more time to write it, the downside of presenting them this way, um, and, and I'll make the same criticism to Games Workshop, just for the record, because they also do it this way. But unless you're the sort of person that has the brain that always remembers everything, which most people yeah. aren't, then you don't actually know how much of a change these things are. Yeah. I mean, I had to look up some of them, and I can't look up all of them. There's no point digging out the old rule book for the original ships mm -hmm. because they've changed a million times since then. Yeah. Um, and, and we talk about this game all the time. Yeah. Neither of us have eidetic memories, though. So no. it makes it a little harder. But that's it for Game Talk. At the apex of things. We have... 
a couple of things coming up. Uh, Adepticon is obviously coming. That's actually coming up really quickly now. Real quick. Uh, the tickets... Ooh, that's not what I want. The tickets for Gen Con are on sale. They went on sale three weeks ago. Yeah, something like that. It might be a month ago now. Uh, that is August 4th till 7th. And yeah, badges are on sale and I have been for a while. Uh, Conquest Games Convention, conquest.asn, that's S for Sam and for Nelly, dot AU. Uh, that's coming from the 15th of April to the 17th of April. That is Conquest is the name of the event. It has nothing to do with the Conquest game, just to stop people being confused. Uh, it is a an event that's happening, much like your Adepticons and your Paxes and so on and so forth. The World Model Expo. Tickets are on sale on the 1st of March. Uh, that is from the 1st of July to the 3rd of July. Takes place at the NH Eindhoven Conference Centre in Konigshof. It's in Veldhoven in the Netherlands. And given that Michelle has still not told me off for saying it wrong, I'm just going to assume that I'm saying it properly. Um, because you know that he would have told me off by now if I was saying it wrong. Uh-huh. Um, that's www.wmfamaryeforegg2020.com. So that just gives you an idea of how long that's been delayed because of world events. COVID. Yeah. Going back to Adepticon, that's March 23rd to the 27th. So oh, I never, actually, I never actually said what date it was. Yeah. Good job, Bruce. I'm great at this. Thank you to those that support us. If you're in a position to do so, please consider doing it. It gives you early access to almost every video that we ever make. There's been videos that they've had like three weeks early at this point because of the big rush of stuff that I all did at once. Um, Patreon.com slash getting tabled. We'd love to get those numbers up. We'd love to get this show to a point where it's paying for itself. It's not at this point. Uh, it's coming out of our pockets. Uh, we'd love to get it. To, look, we're not trying to make millions out of this. We just want it to pay for itself. Uh, we are very grateful for those that do support us already. Uh, if you want to follow us, facebook.com slash getting tabled. That is probably the best place to go um, because it's the most active. We are also on Twitter at getting tabled and Instagram at getting tabled. We are sharing our videos there when they go live. I have started doing that. Uh, if you would like to reach out to the team, gettingtabled at gmail.com. We have a website, which is gettingtabled.weebly.com. And if you want to give me a follow on Twitter, uh, sorry, if you want to give me a follow on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Jason the Bruce, I'd really appreciate it. I'd like to get those numbers up to 50 if I can. Uh, look, I realize that Twitch is not something, like not everybody likes watching people play games, uh, but I am doing hobby and stuff on there as well if you want to hang out. Uh, and just chat about whatever, pretty much. As long as you're not rude and nasty to people in the chat, I don't mind what you talk about. And otherwise, what are you going to be up to this fortnight, Socks? Some Empire. Empire. Getting ready for this tournament. Nice. Yeah, getting ready for this tournament uh, March 12th at my local game store. How much have you got to paint? Uh, I've... Pretty much got all my stormtroopers based already. I just gotta paint all the black. Okay, that's uh, not too bad. They're under uh, cloth, uh, and then 
I have one ATSC to paint up, General Veers to paint up, and some Scout Troopers and some Death Troopers. So you're gonna be a busy man this fortnight. I will be. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, besides I'll be Twitch. on. Besides Twitch, um, I want to get some Bushido stuff finished. Um, nice. I'm currently considering redoing my bot war stuff because somebody's by pure, pure coincidence like I'm not throwing accusations here by pure coincidence that pastel blue and purple colour idea that I had going somebody mm -hmm. else has done exactly the same thing thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you for listening to Getting Table music used in this podcast was created by Eric Mataris at soundimage.org